0: Right, good morning. We are in Acts chapter 1 this morning. If you'd be in Acts chapter 1, turn there. Uh, Thinking about siblings, Kevin, I had two brothers also, Uh, and I remember the day mom let us stay home alone. That was a good day. There was all the video games and all the food I could ever have hoped for. The consequences when she came back were terrible, but in the moment, it was awesome. This morning we're going to look at when Jesus departs and ascends to the right hand of God. And if you think about the disciples' life after the crucifixion and the burial, the guys, they sort of go back to everyday business. Like we see stories of them fishing and they're still trying to figure things out. They're kind of clueless, like what do we do now? after jesus's resurrection and then after the ascension we see the disciples living in a way that they never have before not returning back to their old work but to the new work that's to be done in christ let's take a moment and pray and dig into our text God, we thank you that your son, uh, being raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of God, changes how people live. God, that we would no longer seek first ourselves and our own kingdom, but that we would seek your kingdom and your purposes. God, thank you for sending your spirit to lead your church. And this morning, may we be attentive to what your spirit is teaching us guiding us to be, to become, to do, to witness to. God, let us be attentive to what you're saying to us individually, but also as a church, that we would be a faithful witness to you and your kingdom in this in this place. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and check out Acts chapter 1. He says, uh, uh, this is Luke. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. He's referencing the Gospel of Luke. Luke and Acts are a two-part volume of one uh, large work. It says, Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering... He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And so we see over and over again, you guys hear me talk about it all the time, and I'm just reiterating, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead and the message that he preached while he was alive, and then when he was resurrected, was he kept talking about the kingdom of God. And so it's on their minds, and it says in verse 4, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promises, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered him around, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still holding on to that last glimmer of hope, like, okay, you're talking about, uh, you know, waiting, you're ascending. Like, they're still thinking, like, we're going to Jerusalem. We're going to get you at the right hand of God. We're going to restore all of this. Everything's going to be back the way it should. And it's not happening. Jesus says, it's not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set before uh, set by his own authority. The disciples are asking the sort of question that I'm going to get 50 times on Tuesday for my kids. Are we there yet? Is this what, you know, has this all finally come to fruition? Are we there yet, Jesus? And Jesus says, guys, it's not the time. And you're not going to know the time. Like the kids... They'll ask me, "Are like, is it like going to Warsaw? Like, is that how close we are?" And it's like, "No, we got to go to Warsaw like 20 more times to get there." And and the kids, you know, begin moaning and groaning, and they're bored, and they start. Cr- uh, I'm really not looking forward to our trip. But anyways, the uh, but that's the disciples. The disciples are still thinking that. Israel is going to be restored, Jesus is going to be king, and this is all going to work the way they are expecting it. And Jesus, he, he sort of resets the stage. It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. If there is a preacher who gives you a date, he's defying the words of Jesus if someone is selling a hot ticket item on amazon.com for a book that says by the study of the times and the dates and what's happening in the world they are liars do not give them money don't give them the time of day they are claiming to know something jesus himself says he doesn't know that sounds awfully stupid to me so don't buy their books okay that's the end all answer to everything and i can give you names of guys i don't like but uh I won't do that from the pulpit. Uh, But anyways, that's, that's my little side rant, but it's really important because we don't know the times, and it's not the point. The point is Jesus is doing something, and let's see what's going on. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he says, you will... Receive the Spirit. You will receive His power. And you will be My witnesses. Jesus is giving them these sort of clear markers of what's going to happen and what they're supposed to be doing. After He said this, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid Him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as He was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. We see Jesus ascending to the right hand of God. And the disciples are gazing up like, holy moly, what just happened here? And instead of being... uh, and being like what happened after the crucifixion, the disciples sort of wondering what they should be doing, like sort of looking at each other like, what do we do now? This is after the resurrection and the ascension. Now Jesus isn't with them physically, and their questions are not what should we do now, but now look at how we shall live. From this moment onward, they are going to be living their lives in a completely different way, a way they've never thought or imagined. They'll be doing things that they never could have uh, figured were going to be things healing, helping, preaching. They were... Uh, uh, Paul would be shipwrecked, and he would. they would be uh, beaten, they would be persecuted, they would be killed. These guys have been transformed from tax collectors and fishermen to witnesses for Jesus Christ. And so... I actually have a three-point sermon today. I know. blind squirrel finds an acorn every once in a while. So what do the disciples do? The first thing is they wait. And what is it that they are waiting for but Christ to send his spirit? He says, I am going to send my spirit. And you wait before you go to Jerusalem and Judea and the ends of the earth. You just wait And you receive the Spirit, and you will receive power, and you will go forth with Christ's Spirit and change the world. Thinking about that just immediately for us, well, before that, before I make the application, we need to think about this. What is the rest, if you look at the rest of the story of Acts, What does the Spirit do but guide each and every step? And every monumental moment in the church has been Spirit-led. Every monumental moment, every monumental progress, everything good that has happened is the result of Christ's Spirit working in God's people. Does that make sense? Every step of the way, we think about the Spirit comes down, and then in Acts 2, Peter starts preaching a message. And what happens in Acts 2 is it says it's the day of Pentecost. And it says there's all these tribes and all these different people, all the Jews from all the different nations. They've gathered together. And what happens? But Peter, he stands up and he starts preaching. And every single one of them can hear it in their own native language. That was spirit power at work to start God's church. And every moment from then on out has been spirit and power to change lives and spread the good news of Christ. We look at uh, Cornelius. The whole reason why Peter goes to Cornelius is because the Spirit is at work, and we have Peter having the vision, and the and everything's being made clean. But it was all Spirit prompted and led that would lead Peter to go and announce the good news to Cornelius and have him baptized, and and uh, reaching uh, reaching out to the ends of the earth, like the mo- moving and progressing the message to the people who would receive it. We look at Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip is sent to the right guy at the right moment because the Spirit led Philip to speak to uh, to the Ethiopian. Every bit of monumental progress has been the result of the Spirit moving in God's people and them yielding and waiting and obeying the Spirit of Christ. Question. Question. If there is going to be something monumental and good, will it come by anything other than the Spirit of Christ? If you believe that to be true, that any bit of good progress for our church and for the church as a whole will come through the Spirit of Christ, here's the hard question. We may believe that, but do we act that way? I think Jesus' call to the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit is an ongoing invitation to the disciples of Christ to continue to wait for Jesus' Spirit to lead and guide His church. Do you wait and do you listen to what the Spirit is saying to, to you? Do you take time to pray and say, God, what's next for me? What's next for your church? I would hope that each and every single one of us is praying about our church family and saying, what's next for us? And Spirit, lead us. That it's not just a Jordan thing. It's not just an elders thing. It is all of us together saying, spirit lead your church here so that we might know where it is that you want us to go next and who it is that needs you and this next thing that's before us whatever it is god we want to wait for your spirit to lead us because we know the next thing that's in front of us as a church if it's not you and your spirit behind it we know that it's not about you and it's not for your glory I hope that it's not Jordan's harebrained ideas and Jordan's vision for this church, but it, that it is the Spirit of Christ that is leading our decisions, leading how we're, uh, how we're, whatever programs we come up with, whatever agendas, whatever things that we have going on, that they would be Spirit-led because they would be Spirit-powered because that will bring true and lasting and good change in our lives and glory to God in heaven. Amen. Let's be a spirit-led church and to do that we have to wait. Who's good at waiting? You can't wait for the sermon to be over. I know that. We can't wait in line. I've been waiting for a package from the USPS. I'm going to throw them under the bus, you know. I got some new shoes I thought, you know, I need a new pair of shoes. I ordered I ordered them a week and a half ago. They came from California, and uh, they made it all the way to Etna Green. And this was uh, this was Thursday. They never got off of the uh, they never got off of the wagon from Bourbon to Etna Green, and they ended up going to Mentone. I'm tracking the package. And I call and I say, I you know, it says undeliverable address in Mentone. And, and I call and I said, you know, what's going on? And they said, oh, they just forgot to take it off the, the thing. We'll get it back in bourbon and we'll have it to you the next day. Friends, uh, as of right now, tracking the package, it's in Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> I don't know how this happens. I've been waiting. I've been trying to be patient. I even called the people and, you know... When you're the preacher, you have to be nice to people always. That's the expectation. So I was pretending to be patient. But really, honestly, uh, I don't know how a package ends up in Detroit. From Mentone, like something has to go awry. For me, as, a, as just just in general, guys, it's so hard for us to wait. It's so hard for us to be patient. So hard for us to be reasonable. And And friends, can we wait on God? Can we be patient enough to listen? And maybe he doesn't tell us exactly what we need to do right there in the moment. But can we be attentive attentive enough to the Spirit to say, God, would you lead your church? And forgive us for those times when we get so impatient and so irrational. We just sort of react and we do and we think something has to be done. And so we go ahead and do it. The Spirit was at work in so many key moments in the life of the early church. They were trying to figure out how to make life work together and think about the ancient world these uh, There were the Jews and they always had uh, they always had the right relationship with God They were the ones that had God's law and then there were the Gentiles and suddenly in the early goings of the church They're trying to reconcile and say how do we have Gentiles come into? uh, into the congregation when we're the Jews and we're the ones that have this all figured out and we have the law and we have our righteousness in that law and they're thinking on those terms and they're wondering and it's the Spirit that they consult and it's the Spirit that leads that's, that shows them the good things that they need to be doing and hanging on to and the things that need to drop off. There are critical junctures all along the way in the, in the church and we need to take time to prayerfully seek what the Spirit is leading. Not just make a decision on our emotions. Not just make a decision on uh, what we think feels right, but carefully discerning where is the Spirit leading us theologically, where is the Spirit leading us in our vision, where uh, and what we do next, and how we minister to needs in our congregation. Where is the Spirit leading in each of these moments, whatever it might be as a congregation, for whatever needs are present. Let's be a patient, Spirit-led congregation. Can we be that together? And when we, when we get irrational and crazy, which you guys do every once in a while, just to be honest, can we tell each other, let's wait and listen to the Spirit and have enough, have enough grace and favor and love and mercy for each other, say, we really need the Spirit's leading on it. We get in such a rush to have answers I know I feel that pressure because if I don't have an answer in the moment, then maybe there's something wrong with me or there something will go wrong. But let's just take time to press pause and pray and ask for God's Spirit to lead. And let's all do that. If you're wondering what's next for this church, maybe we should consult the Spirit together. Say, God, what do you have for us? And make it clear. We have, uh, we have in our text, um, so the disciples wait, and we have the disciples witness. The word witness uh, is the word that we get for martyr. Uh, but what witnesses uh, were in this occasion was they were to announce everything that they've seen and heard. In the ancient world, when there was a new king uh, in your empire, you know, There wasn't a Twitter feed that said, hey, look who won, or look who's in charge now. In the ancient world, they would have to send out heralds. And what they would do as heralds was they would announce the good news that there was a new king. And so when Jesus says, I am calling you to be witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth, Jesus is saying, I want you to go and announce the good news that I am now king. I've ascended to the right hand of God. So it's all about them taking on their identity now is going to be announcing and witnessing to the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's just exactly what they do. They go out and they start announcing and proclaiming in one city after the next to one person after the next that Jesus Christ was crucified, resurrected, raised from the dead, and then he's now seated at the right hand of God, and now there's forgiveness of sins, and now there's life in his kingdom. This was the message over and over again, that people would repent and believe and come and be a part of his church. If you look at Peter's um, message in Acts 2, the sermon he preaches is just that message. That David, he was, he, uh, he was buried, and we still know where he is. But Jesus, he was crucified and he was buried, but he was resurrected. And now he's at the right hand of God. And when he preached that message to the uh, thousands that had gathered there, they were all struck to the heart, and they, and they said, what must we do? And he said, Repe- repent. And uh, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. From that time on, the message of the church has been to be heralds of this good news that God's kingdom is available to all of us. And it seems to me that after we've waited and we've been spirit-empowered, we would continue the message and we would continue forward being the heralds of the good news of Christ and His kingdom. If you're wondering, hey, what do we do now that Jesus isn't here with us, we wait and we witness, we proclaim, and we go forth and we announce however we can to the people in our lives and in our lives together as the church that Jesus Christ is king. All right, I said I had three points. I have to refer to my notes now because I forget. We are also worshipers. The rest of the way is people who have turned from living, uh, living their lives in a certain way who are now captivated and are living their lives for Christ and Christ alone. The early church's response to the message in Acts 2 is for them to huddle up and become the church. And it says in Acts 2, 42, this is the rest of the way. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship of breaking of bread and a prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those being saved. The rest of the way, they're worshiping God. They meet together. They eat together. They have communion together. They care for each other's needs. And they praise God and they glorify him and they pray to him daily, every day, every moment. If you want a picture of what the church is supposed to be doing, it's waiting on the Spirit. It's witnessing to what He has done. And it's worshiping God through loving one another and loving God. That's the rest of the way. And when I look at the Etna Green Church of Christ, I see a church that's trying to do just that. Do we get it right all the time? No. No. Not even a little. I wanted to make a joke like we're awesome, but uh, we have a lot of work to do, honestly. But it's work that can be done. We can listen and we can wait on the Spirit. We can keep witnessing and sharing the love of Christ with others. And we can keep worshiping and making it about Him. Praising Him and glorifying Him praying to him frequently. We can care for and meet the needs of one another as best as we can. We had a miracle in our church family this week. A little baby who showed up unexpectedly and we have an opportunity this week to love a young family and say we're here with you and we care about you and we're so glad we have such a wonderful and good God and so we function and we operate together by blessing and loving and caring for each other as best as we possibly can. In all of that, all of that is a response to what God has done through Jesus Christ. Friends, it's simple. Will you wait? Will you witness? And will you worship Him? My hope for our church is that we would continue to grow together so that when there are needs and when there are hurts, when there are things going on in our lives, that we would actually be able to minister and love one another as Christ called us. The challenge this morning is clear, and simp- uh, clear but it's difficult. The challenge this morning is, will you be the church? When I was young and on my own, in my house with my brothers, I did whatever I wanted. And I thought, hey, this is the good life. Fritos bag, chili cheese Fritos, They didn't stand a chance. It was all about me. But the moment Christ grabbed a hold of my heart and my life, it's not about me anymore. How can we serve? How can we love? How can we care about people around us? The rest of the way, the spirit has been led by uh, the spirit has been leading his church. Let's be a spirit led church. Let's trust in him and walk faithfully with Christ. Let's go to our learning prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you do for us. And we ask God that you would continue to guide your church here and that we would be attentive to your guidance. God, that we would wait for you and we would um, respond in obedience. And God, we know that there could be so many trying challenges in front of us as your church. Things that we're not comfortable with, wondering how we can even accomplish it. God, let our doubts not turn into fear. But rather, teach us to trust you. walk faithfully God as your children we want to proclaim clearly the hope that we have in you that in each and every opportunity presented us God we would be able to proclaim clearly where our hope is and what we believe about you God if we don't have a good answer to why we believe in your son help us to grow God, if we don't see uh, the opportunities in front of us, help us to see. If we are insecure or worried or fearful about what might come, help us to have courage. That we may continue to take your good news to the very ends of the earth. God, for missional opportunities as a church, for... Uh, whether it's a short-term mission trip or if it's uh, new missionary endeavors, if it's supporting and encouraging uh, the missionaries that we're already involved with, God, let us be a generous and loving church that more missionaries would come. God, if you would stir our hearts to plant churches, if you would stir our hearts to uh, think of new ways and strategies to witness, God, may it be spirit-led, spirit-empowered, God, all for your glory. And God, as we we think about uh, waiting on you, as we think about witnessing for you, all along, God, may we be worshipers of you. May it be incredibly clear who it is we love. May you capture our hearts, our minds. May you capture our strength. God, that we would give everything we have for you. God, that we would seek first your kingdom And everything we do, that we would be prayerful, that we would be true worshipers of Jesus Christ. Guide your church and help us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.